The Zodiac Killer is a well-known name. There is so much mystery and talk surrounding the Zodiac Killer and his letters. It's a wonder how it took us so long to even crack the code on some of those letters. But even though we've now cracked this code, and they now have a name they believe is the killer's, this case still remains open and unsolved. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. I missed everybody. We are covering a little bit of a more well-known case today, and I'm okay with that. Um, You know, there's been some stuff happening in this case that really made me want to cover it and talk to you guys about it. But before we get into that case, I wanted to let you guys know that I officially dropped the first part of the studio creation videos on TikTok. Um, Right now it's just a mess out there and I was cleaning it up and it's just really those videos of me picking up five years worth of mess because that was our junk spot. And today though, I officially have it cleared out. It's empty. Um, There's a couple things I need to pull out, like some shelves and stuff that the old homeowners had put in there. Those need to come out. And then I do have an appointment set up to get the whole shed waterproofed because obviously if all of our equipment and gear and stuff is going to go out there it needs to be waterproofed so once that's done and the waterproofing is done i get to start on the fun stuff we get to insulate it we get to decorate it we get to put flooring in i'm so excited you guys so if you're interested in watching that diy project situation of creating a studio for myself And for my husband, because he's also going to have some stuff that he does as well. Um, Follow me on TikTok and watch that. And you can follow us every step of the way. I am going to attempt to also post, you know, little snippets of our episodes on there. If you're somebody who doesn't love listening to the long podcasts and would rather the short little clips on TikTok, I will be posting short little clips as well. I'm not the greatest at those yet, but we're getting there. We're learning. Anyways, I hope your weekend was great. Mine was. We just got back from vacation and that was so refreshing and nice. But let's go ahead and jump right into the case, the Zodiac Killer. Now, like I said at the beginning, the Zodiac Killer is a more well-known killer. You probably have heard of him before in some way. The Zodiac Killer is a notorious serial killer who has never officially been caught. Because of this, we are going to start today's episode off just like we do with the uncovering the unsolved cases. Most of the time when we know who the killer is, we will talk about the killer and the victims who were hurt first before we go into the sentencings and things like that. We're not doing that in this case. We are going to start off with how the victims were found and how the authorities saw this case happening. And then we'll go into who they think it was, some of the theories and things like that kind of like what we do with the Uncovering the Unsolved series, because technically this is an unsolved case, but in my opinion, I feel like the Zodiac Killer does fall better into the Serial Series case, especially because we're pretty sure we know who he is, so that's why he's in this category. Because we are going to jump right into it, we are 
going to start off pretty heavy. Trigger warning if you don't like that. There's not a lot of buildup because obviously the authorities did not know there was a killer out there until they found their first body. There are seven confirmed victims. These seven victims are as followed. David Arthur Faraday, hopefully I'm saying his name right, he was 17 at the time of his murder, and Betty Lou Jensen, who was 16 at the time of her murder. These two were together on their very first date. They had planned that day to go out to a Christmas concert that was being held at their high school. On the way to the restaurant, they would make a pit stop. Then they would be driving down the road at about 10.15 p.m., and shortly after 11 p.m. that night, they would be discovered shot and killed by the Zodiac Killer on December 20th, 1968. Both of the individuals died from their wounds. Later down the road, the authorities would discover that these two parked in a popular spot that a lot of lovers liked to park at. This is when they believe a second vehicle would pull up next to them and park next to them. They do think that this was the Zodiac Killer. He was either the driver of the car or he was the passenger, which means it is possible there is another person involved. Then, the Zodiac Killer would walk towards the vehicle with the couple inside. They think at this point they got out of the vehicle for some reason, and the Zodiac Killer shot David in the head first, even though he was the second one out of the car. Once David was down, the Zodiac Killer would then turn his gun onto Betty and shoot Betty five times in the back while she ran away from him. Once they were dead, the murderer got back into his vehicle and drove off. The second confirmed victim was Michael Majo, who was 19 at the time, and Darlene Farron, who was 22 at the time of their murder. These two would be driving together when they would pull into the Blue Rock Spring parking lot located just four miles from where the last murder happened. A very similar thing is believed to be what happened. A vehicle pulled up and parked next to them. But after a few minutes, this vehicle would shift into drive and drive away. Only for a short time though. A few minutes later, it would return and park next to the couple again. This is when somebody, the Zodiac Killer, would exit the vehicle and approach the car, passenger side first. He would shine a flashlight right into the window of the vehicle, blinding them inside because it was night at the time this happened. Then he would shoot them. He would fire five times at the couple, hitting both of them. He then walked away, assuming that he had killed both of them when he heard Michael moaning in pain. He would turn around to finish the murder and return to the car and shoot the couple two more times before deciding they had to be dead, getting in his vehicle and driving off. Michael and Darlene would be shot on July 4th, 1969. Michael, even though the Zodiac Killer turned around and shot him again, would end up surviving this attack, but Darlene would end up succumbing to her wounds at the hospital. Of course, right off the bat, the police were pretty sure that these were connected. They would begin their investigation. These two murders were so close together and basically the exact same that they knew somebody was involved. The same person. Because this was now a death count of three, he is now considered a serial killer and they wanted to catch him as soon as possible. But all they really had 
was that this man was targeting couples. He was driving up to them while they were in popular couple spots and shooting them. After making them exit their vehicle, they didn't have much. They tried as much as they could with as little information as they had because Michael was alive, but Michael was unconscious and could not speak to them. But then they got a phone call. They were able to trace this phone call to a phone booth that was located at a gas station just a few blocks away from the police station. They also noticed that this was right next to one of the other victims' homes, and they were not sure if this was just a coincidence or if maybe the murderer was also stalking these people. While they were tracing this call, the person on the other end of the line would inform police that he was the one responsible. He was the killer. He informed them that all four of the murders were him and basically taunted the police. It does not sound like he knew at this point that Michaels was still alive. The police, after having a confession from this person who was taunting them and giving them information they did not release from the public so they knew that he was responsible, would rush to this phone booth. But once they arrived at the scene, they discovered that this man was no longer there. At this point, Michaels would gain enough consciousness to speak to the police about what had happened and what he had seen. This is when he would inform them that this was indeed a man, which they already knew based off of that phone call. This man looked like he was between 26 to 30 years in age. He had light brown hair that looked to be curly in the dark. He seemed to be about 200 pounds and was about 5'8 in height. But this got them nowhere. No leads, no people to question, nothing but also no more killings, yet. The authorities would receive their first letter from the Zodiac Killer on July 31st, 1969. This was a coded letter, but it only took them a week to crack. This letter has no punctuation and it does have spelling errors in it. I'm going to read it like there is punctuation, but just so you know, if you look it up, there is absolutely no punctuation in it. This would read, I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all that I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collection of slaves for my afterlife. And then he wrote what I'm assuming is his afterlife. I have no idea how to say this, you guys, at all. But it is spelled E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-E-M-E-T-H-H-P-I-T-I. If you know what this is, if it's a certain afterlife that I am not aware of, if it is the key to, you know, this thing, you can go ahead and email me that information, but just based off of how he wrote it, I'm assuming that is something to do with his afterlife or it's the key, but I still wanted to put it in there. 
It does seem like he expected this letter to be sent out to the public so that everybody could see it, be made aware of him, be scared of him. But the authorities, probably not wanting to cause any panic, decided not to release the letter out to the public or a ton about how the killings were definitely linked at this point. This would be when the Zodiac Killer would send three more letters taking credit for both of the shootings and he would include a part of the cipher that would be used to discover his identity. These letters though, instead of going to the authorities because the authorities did not send them out to the public like he wanted them to in the first place, would be sent out to newspaper companies so that they would post about him and he would get credit for these two shootings and the public would be made aware that he was the one responsible. He did demand in these letters that he would take front page in every single one of them, threatening to go on a killing spree if they did not comply with his wishes. One of these newspaper companies decided they would publish it. This is when they would write on top of this that they were not satisfied with this letter and they would ask the person who wrote this letter to send them another one. They did not believe that he was the one responsible, but they posted it anyways. They also wrote that they doubted that this was the real Zodiac killer. And if it was, they needed to prove it. If you think about it, in the newspaper's eyes, they might have definitely believed it was some idiot kid trying to be part of the case. And if it wasn't, which it wasn't, now they have the inside scoop. They have the killer sending them letters directly. All of the people who are interested in these cases are going to read their newspaper because they have the killer talking to them. So it's kind of a win-win for the newspaper situation. Then on August 7th, 1969, another newspaper would receive a letter. This is when this Zodiac killer that we know him as would officially refer to himself as the Zodiac killer. This letter would read as followed. Dear Editor, I am the killer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl last 4th of July. To prove this, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. Brand name of ammo. Super X. 10 shots fired. Boy was on his back with feet to the car. Girl was laying on right side, feet to west. 4th of July. Girl was wearing patterned pants. Boy was also shot in the knee. Ammo was made by Western. Here is a cipher, or that is part of one. The other two parts are being mailed to the Valigo Times and the SF Chronicles. I want you to print this cipher on the front page by Friday afternoon, August 1st, 69. If you do not print this cipher, I will go on a kill rampage Friday night. This will last the whole weekend. I will cruise around killing people who are alone at night until Sunday night or until I kill a dozen people. This letter was clearly true because all of the facts that he put in there were exactly what had happened on scene that the police had not released from the public. But even with this, they still could not catch the Zodiac Killer. 
even with the notes, the phone calls, the taunting, an alive witness that could describe him, the authorities had nothing. No leads. And then there was another murder. This one was different though. Brian Calvin Hartnell, who was 20 years old, and Cecilia Ann Shepard, who was 22 at the time of the attack. Instead of being in a vehicle late at night, they would be picnicking together on September 27, 1969. During this picnic, a man would approach them. Brian would later describe this man as a white male that was 5 foot 11 inches. He was wearing a black hoodie with clip-on sunglasses and a weird-looking thing on his chest. This had a cross-circle symbol on it as well. This man was wielding a gun. He approached them and would begin to tell them that he had just escaped from prison. He had already stolen a car and had already killed a policeman. He then told this couple that he needed money and their car to continue to flee. He would instruct Cecile to tie up her date, Brian, before this unknown man would tie Cecile up himself. Once they were both tied up, he would check the ropes and discover that Cecile had tied up Brian very loosely, probably in hopes that he would get free and save them. The man tightened the ropes, making it impossible for Brian to get out. Both of them were under the impression that this was just a robbery. They had full intent on complying and giving this man whatever he wanted. But instead of doing what he said he was going to do, take their money and their car, leave them tied up and run, he would pull a knife out and begin to stab both of them over and over again. Brian would be stabbed a total of six times and Cecile a total of 10 times. I'm assuming he probably stabbed Cecile more times because he was mad that she had loosely tied Brian up. But that is just me coming up with a conclusion and that is not fact. Once the Zodiac Killer was sure they were dead, he decided to hike up to their vehicle. It does sound like he must have been watching them if he knew where their vehicle was, or they had told him when they were under the impression that this was just a robbery. Once he got to their vehicle, instead of stealing it, he would draw the same symbol that he was wearing on his chest on the door of the vehicle. He would then write what appears to be dates. These would say, Valajo. 122068 7469 September 27th, 69, 630 by knife. He would then wait around for the news of the discovery. But nobody would come. Nobody was finding these couples stabbed to death in the park. Nobody was finding this vehicle. He waited and waited and waited and nothing happened. So he decided he needed to inform the authorities himself. It was about 7.40 that night 
when he would phone up the Napa County Sheriff's Office via another payphone. He first told the operator that he wanted to report a murder. Then he changed it and said a double murder. This is when over the phone, he would confess that he had murdered two people in the park and left them there. They would track this call, obviously, to another payphone just a few blocks away from the sheriff's department. Trying to keep him on the phone, they dispatched, asking him questions about the killing, what happened, who they were, where they were, feeling like this had to be the Zodiac killer. But once they arrived at the payphone, he was gone. With the phone left off the hook and just a wet handprint. They couldn't do anything with this handprint though. They were never able to get a match on it. At this point, they knew that somebody was hurt and possibly killed, but he had not told them where he stabbed these two. While they scrambled to find where these people were at, they would receive another phone call. This phone call though, would be from a man and his son who were out fishing near where these two had been bound up and stabbed. They told the authorities where they were and that they were hearing screaming. They began looking around and upon further investigation, these two would find the two victims tied up and stabbed. Both of them were awake. Cecile was talking. She gave a description as to who attacked them, what had happened, what the man looked like. The authorities ran there, took in all of the information they could about this killer and these stabbings and what had happened. And it was weird because it sounded like the Zodiac killer, but it was so much different than what he normally did. They would load both of them up and take them both to the hospital. Unfortunately, when Cecile arrived, she would fall into a coma and later end up succumbing to her wounds, only two days after the stabbing. But Brian would survive, and he would pull through, and he would begin assisting the authorities in any way that he could. But they still didn't get very far. And only two weeks after the stabbings, the Zodiac Killer would strike again. But that is where we're going to leave today's episode. We'll continue on with the victims next time. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.